Welcome to Translation Confidential. This is Peter Argandizo, and I'm joined by my co-host, Patrick Daly. Um, sorry we've been off for a bit, but we're back, and this is episode number 66, and it's all about translation and the human resource department. Um, you know, obviously the human resource function in a company is all about communication, and unfortunately, language barriers can cause all sorts of issues and can silo your employees into what I would call communication bubbles, where only certain people get all the information and some people get some of the information, and you're essentially creating walls. And this episode covers how you can use a tailored approach to burst those communication bubbles and keep everyone in the loop on all the updates, all your important initiatives basically make everyone one team. Um, let's get started with a, a news report, and this is a, in a recent report on Slater. You know, we reference Slater quite a bit here. Um, Facebook and Twitter released a paper in conjunction with the University of Melbourne and Amazon, and uh, the subject was, you know, putting words into the system's mouth, a targeted attack on neural machine translation using monolingual data poisoning. And what the article talked about is how attackers can manipulate machine translation systems very easily, um, producing specific and malicious output such as misinformation or slander. And these targeted attacks can be damaging to specific targets but also to the translation providers who might face reputational damage or legal consequences. And essentially, what they're talking about in the story is how the method of attack can be as simple as entering erroneous or false information into a back translation. You know, as you know, these things are sort of crowdsourced solutions, right? The information comes from the information it's parsing to train the engines. And according to the authors, these attackers can prompt toxic behavior and the final model through seemingly innocuous errors, such as dropping a word um, or even adding certain sentences to the monolingual training set. And oddly enough, this was a crazy, crazy statistic that was quoted. It says that only 0.02% of the training set, in other words, a thousand sentences out of five million need to be poisoned in order for an attack to succeed. Moreover, a large corpus or body of content can make it difficult to detect suspicious examples, especially when the target is unknown. Low resource languages are likely even more vulnerable to these attacks since developers are more open to using content from dubious sources. So, Patrick, what do you think? That's kind of an interesting, kind of in the weeds sort of article. What do you think? Yeah, and it's interesting what jumps out to me too is what you said about how small the training set needs to be. It doesn't take that much to obviously blow that up. Um, and we've talked about machine translation plenty of times before, and and we always say, you know, it's only as good as the people who are reviewing and validating the machine translation. So if those mistakes are in there, I mean, stuff happens. It's humans still reviewing the machine translation. It's not absurd to think a few errors might pop in there, but to say that machine translation will be 100% accurate and isn't corruptible is just straight up wrong. <laughs> Yeah, I think like any new technology, it's just that, hey, here's here's a bump in the road, and it needs to be figured out. Sounds like a really important report. I'm glad those folks tackled that topic, and it'll be interesting. Stay tuned in that space, I guess. So why don't we roll into human resources and translation? And I thought, why don't we start this exercise by just maybe going over some of the ways that HR folks, um, you know, use translation uh, in their role. And I, I thought of immediately, like, you know, I was thinking about a lot of the customers we've worked with over the years. And 
I thought of employee evaluation and disciplinary meetings. And I think it'd be a good exercise to maybe just talk about some of the use cases and then go over how translation services firms can help. So I'll start with that. Employee evaluation, disciplinary meetings. Um, you know, that's a, a common way that uh, people need translation. And it, it happens in a couple different ways. So I'm thinking of, we have one client who has a predominantly Spanish speaking workforce. So just like you do employee reviews, or you sit down and say, hey, we want to train you on this procedure or policy, you might have a gap in language. So there's written translation as well as telephonic interpretation or in-person interpretation there. Yeah, and what I kind of, I might be jumping ahead of you here, but what I like about those is it kind of introduces a third party who doesn't have an interest on either side of the equation if it is something disciplinary um, when it's HR related. It kind of brings in that neutral third party to just say what's being said and not inject their own thoughts or opinions in there. It's really just saying what needs to be said. I'm thinking of, uh, we do a lot of work for schools as well, and we always joke about parent-teacher conferences when when they make the student be the interpreter and the student can say whatever they want because the parent may not know what the teacher is saying. So they can say, oh, I'm a great student. I, I'm A pluses and everything. <laughs> and the parent has no clue because they don't they don't speak English like the student and the teacher do. So I think it's interesting to you know get that third party. They're neutral. They're just saying what the other people are saying. They're not injecting their own, you know, whether it's agenda or opinion, whatever it might be in the middle there. Yeah, that's a really good point, Patrick, because we've seen that, right? We've, we've, with clients, uh, we've talked about how they'll sometimes just call in another employee that's a Spanish speaker. And, you know, what if it's something sensitive or what if it's against the interests of the person that's doing the interpretation? Um, you know, that, that's a really good point about that third party. Uh, how about you, Patrick? Do you have any examples of other ways you've seen it uh, in HR functions? Yeah, another thing we see a lot of is any training materials, whether it's written or it can be even as high as up as e-learning or uh, you know PowerPoint presentations, whatever that might be. Any sort of training that they want to have, either company wide or specific to a certain region, that's a great candidate to have that translated. Great, and I was thinking as well about you know HR communications, like think about benefits, and again. You know, interesting because we work with firms that are multinational. So, of course, you know, they might have employees in Spain or employees in French-speaking Canada or so that, you know, takes on a different role in terms of benefits. But we also have a lot of clients that are, um, you know, have employees here in this country that don't speak like, gosh, in Chicago, right? We have a lot of companies that have Polish-speaking, Russian-speaking, Spanish-speaking, you know, Korean, and all these different languages. And you're trying to express your benefits packages, um, you know, that roles that, you know, benefits packages, uh, changes in work schedules, gosh, with COVID, you know, like safety requirements, all those sort of things. Um, and, and I think that brings up to like policies and procedures, right, Patrick? I think that's something you've dealt with. Yeah, we see a lot of that. Um, typically, those are, are written policies and procedures, but this, this kind of borders on, you know, legal stuff as well. You know, how do you request time off how do you use this system when you're at work so if you've got other employees like you said i mean i like your example of of chicago and how many different language pockets we have here your employees need to know what to do and you can't call it incompetence when they can't understand what's on the page if it's in their language they'll probably pick it up a lot faster so uh that's definitely two important things policies and procedures to again those are great candidates to have translated 
Yeah, and then I thought also of um, like a company's intranet, right? You know, they, they may have, um, you know, just sort of a collection of all their content, all their articles. You know, you're talking about holiday parties and new product releases and a letter from the CEO, and it might all be published through an internal intranet. It's kind of a scoop up of a lot of the different topics we've covered, but, uh, you know, that brings up other technology challenges, right? Um, so I was thinking, all right, well, we've gone through some ways, and I'm sure we haven't covered all of them, but we've gone through some ways that HR companies use translation. And I thought now we could talk a little bit about how do translation services help? Um, you know, how, what are some of the tools, some of the levers that a translation services firm uses to make this work smoothly and easily for uh, the folks in the HR department? And I, I thought of automated workflows. And, um, you know, I was thinking of hot folders, um, which that's just really a, a, um, a simple tech process where essentially you have either using SFTP or using popular systems like ShareFile and Box with a uh, um, connected to a translation management system. So uh, how does that work? So, for example, let's say you're a client and you have different types of documents that you want to push. Um, this is doesn't have to be a very sophisticated workflow, but let's say you do Word documents, PowerPoints, um, Excel spreadsheets, uh, text files, you name it, InDesign files. You have all sorts of different file types, but you want to make it easier to exchange information. Hot folder is a great way to do this. So the way that would work is let's say you designate an in folder, and in that in folder you can have something like all languages or here's French, here's German, here's Spanish, here's Russian. You can have different flavors, and all you have to do as the user is drop a file on top of that folder, and then it automatically notifies the translation services firm that, hey, there's something to do here. And then when they're done with the translation, they'll post it to a different folder. So it's sort of an automated way to deal with translation, especially if you have a varied content set. But then I thought of, Patrick, I know you've worked on a ton of these WordPress sites, like even WPML as a tool. I mean, maybe you can speak to a little bit about, this is great coming off of our session that we did with Kyle and WordPress, but maybe you can speak to a little bit about how that automation works. Yeah, um, we talked about it a little bit on our last show, um, but basically what we can do is we can connect to virtually any uh, CMS system and translate the website, a section of a website, um, a pocket of it that you know applies to your Spanish-speaking employees. I'm going to start over because my upstairs neighbors are being jerks and loud right now. Um. <clears throat> so, Patrick, tell me a little bit of how WordPress uh, can help a client. How does that automation work? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so basically we have connections to uh, WordPress websites we can hook directly into the CMS and virtually any CMS we can connect to. Um, it's a similar kind of workflow to hot folders. It's just through a web CMS platform. Uh, but basically you, you get the shopping cart uh, view. You pick the pages or posts that you want translated. You pick your languages based on those. And then you can just send them right over to the translation provider. So that's a slick process as well. Maybe you have certain sections of your website that only apply to a certain region. Super easy to just, like I said, shopping cart mentality, pick up those pages, say I only want it in X language, and away goes the translation provider. And I also thought of telephonic interpretation. I mean, that's great. Thank you, Patrick, for that example. But I also thought of telephonic interpretation, and that's a great way um, it's very flexible. So, you know, let's talk about in-person interpretation versus telephonic interpretation. So in-person interpretation sometimes 
that's what you really need. Like, in other words, you have to have that service um, because you have an important meeting and you want to have that presence in the room so you, you can request an in-person interpreter. But the other opportunity is telephonic interpretation, and that's, you know, where obviously you're connecting, you know, by telephone. You can also connect into a Zoom meeting. That's kind of new. The pandemic sort of spurned that. I know for us and a lot of other providers of telephonic. But what's great about that is the flexibility. So in other words, you don't have to have a scheduled time, which is really important because if you're doing something disciplinary, you're like, I want to schedule from two weeks from today. You know, maybe you want to talk about it right now. So you call this employee into your office dial up on the conference phone, you know, a, a speaker phone or even via Zoom connection, however you want to do it, and plug the interpreter in so that then you can speak in real time about something that happens in the moment. And what's nice is there's no cancellation fees and it's 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 more flexible. So that might be a good solution um, for a lot of our customers. Yeah, we also we also have a kind of a hybrid approach too, which is it's run through an <clears throat> it's run through an app and basically they have the interpreters on standby and they're interpreting, you know, video simultaneous interpreting, but you can basically just click on what language you want to hear and you'll hear that audio feed in that language as well. So we've got, you know, full on in person, we've got a little bit of a hybrid approach and then there's the other one where you just kind of set the speakerphone down and go from there. Yeah, I really, you know, I, I was going to bring the live remote interpretation for meetings up, Patrick, because I think that's such a cool solution. I mean, I know we did a demo here um, uh, was a, a year or so ago for the uh, well, actually pre-pandemic for uh, the students at the University of Illinois, the the translation studies program there, and it was very cool. With our partner, we fired up a meeting, and we had people in the room, and everybody was on their iPhones or their Android devices, and they were able to select a language feed. So now that we're hopefully having meetings again, that comes up. But it can also be done virtually, right, Patrick? So if that's like a big Zoom meeting and you have people speaking ten languages, you can easily plug that that into a meeting from what i understand right exactly and another another way we do a lot of projects too is kind of after the fact maybe a meeting this may change too post pandemic but it was recorded uh you know just in isolation you're done with the video you're done with your presentation and now you want either voiceover on that uh, or narration or you want subtitles on that so that your worldwide employees can can watch it and understand what's going on so that's something we do a lot of as well is pre-recorded videos or any other pre-recorded content, uh, whether you want narration or subtitles, um, obviously those come at different price points. Um, and quite honestly, I, I'm a huge fan of subtitles. Even when I watch anything right now on TV or streaming, I always have subtitles on. I feel like it just makes my comprehension go through the roof. I don't really miss anything and have to rewind anymore. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of subtitles and, and how powerful those can be. That's really great, and that that dovetails pretty well into um, to e-learning. You know, that's another great initiative uh, that we do for a lot of clients. And there's so many different platforms, right? There's, I mean, some people will just do PowerPoint presentations with recorded messages, or some people will do, um, you know, they'll use a tool like uh, Articulate or Camtasia. Uh, or Articulate Storyline, I should say, or Camtasia or Lectora. Obviously, there's so many. Uh, iSpring, that's another one. But basically all that is is, um, you know, you've all taken this type of course where, um, you know, some of the topics like sexual harassment or anti-bribery and corruption, uh, inclusivity, you know, the, all, any of these topics that you're teaching. Or it could even be something super specific like how to use an application. Or we've even done some for some pharmaceutical companies like 
this is our sales strategy on how we're going to sell this specific drug. I mean, the topics could be anything, but what's cool about those projects, right, is that you've got voiceover, you've got on-screen text, you've got uh, graphics and images that need to be done. Those projects can be pretty complex, uh, right, Patrick? Yeah, absolutely. And for those, it's definitely important to talk with your provider, talk at the beginning of your project, really hammer down that scope because these projects, like you said, are complicated and they tend to take a little bit longer because of the complexity. So we want to get all those details out of the way on the front end so that by the time we give you the final product, everything looks perfect and you're ready to roll out that that e-learning. Great. And then um, we briefly mentioned intranets. And I think some of the complexity there, um, you know, again, that's kind of a, a larger scale communication system that companies will use. And of course, the complication there is, um, you know, how do you exchange the content? You know, how, how is the user going to quickly log in, be able to identify what's new um, uh, or what's new or modified and send it out for translation. And that's where your translation service provider can step in and come up with a workflow to quickly identify that content. How is it submitted? How is it collected? Is there a client review process? Um, you know, kind of the devil's in the details, but there's workflow automation to make that easier. Yeah, it's definitely important to really test that workflow as well to make sure that it works. You want to do maybe a, a dummy pass on the translation, just go a round trip test to make sure that everything works, make sure the development team is seeing what they need to see when they import the translations back in. So like you said, workflow on those kinds of projects is super, super important. And Patrick, um, you know, we've come to that point in the episode where I always ask you the same question. We're very predictable on this show, but uh, I think it's important to talk about key takeaways. So what would you say is the key takeaway uh, for this topic? Yeah, it's something we didn't really touch on, um, but I think it's still worthwhile to bring up. Um, I think it's important to consider as an organization, as an HR department, what is your absolute highest priority of what needs to be translated. And you can kind of work your way down the priority list from there. Uh, I know it might be seem like a little bit of a burden to be like, oh, crap, we need to translate all of our HR policies. That might be like, whoa, you might be a little shocked at, at the number you see. But really identifying those high, high priority or value pieces, getting those translated first, um, and then kind of trickling down. Um, we didn't really mention it, but obviously we use translation memory, which will help bring your costs down over time with repetitive content. Um, but also some things may not need as high of a level of service as others. You know, maybe policies and procedures, those are high priority. Those have to be 100% right. And we'll use, obviously, the highest level of service, but maybe something a little bit lower of, hey, we're having a party on Friday. That might be a little bit easier thing to translate. We can get away with a reduced workflow. Um, so really just talking to your provider, really figuring out if it's a super high priority job or if it's kind of a little bit lower on the priority list. I like that, Patrick. Yeah. And for me, the key takeaway is really that communication piece. And I think that, um, you know, as an, as, as an HR administrator, it's important to know that, Hey, the last thing you want to do is exclude certain parts of your population from getting the message. Uh, if you sort of, you know, if you, if you, through translation, you can embrace all your team members. And I think creating that connectivity uh, is really, really important. And, you know, you bring up a great point with budgeting. Uh, and I think pick something, you know, whether it's an employee newsletter or um, just something to dip your toe in the water and get started and make sure to commit to it. 
Uh, make sure to commit to a timeline. You know, how quickly, like the English releases, will we then have the translated versions in 24 hours or will we, we release them all at once so we can show importance for all the languages um, um, in, in an equal fashion? I think that's important. And I think once you choose that path, if you continue on it, you're going to really communicate to your messages how important everyone in the company is versus just those that you know only speak the the, the major language or the pre- predominant language in the company um, Patrick any last points to add before we wrap up this episode no I think uh, I think we covered a lot and like you said the the goal of translation through the HR department is to to make everyone feel welcome make sure they understand what's going on in the organization so there's only positive things can come when you translate you know HR related materials Great, thank you. So then for this episode of Translation Confidential, this is Peter Argandizo and Patrick Daly wrapping up. Uh, We'll look forward to seeing you on our next episode, which is all about maximizing your investment in translation.